Well, welcome to Aspen Chapel's podcast um, today, uh, February the 21st. Um, today, we're on the third Sunday of Lent. Uh, in the first Sunday, uh, we did a ritual of letting go of who we thought we are. Last week, we looked at the nature of love and how God is love. And, and when we just let go of who we are, naturally, God comes through. And today, we're looking at the nature of identity. Who am I? And the reading uh, that we're going to start with is from the Upanishads. In the heart of all things, of whatever there is in the universe, dwells the Lord. He alone is the reality. Wherefore, renouncing vain appearances, rejoice in him. Covet no man's wealth. Well, may he be content to live a hundred years who acts without attachment who works his work with earnestness, but without desire, not yearning for its fruits, he and he alone. Worlds there are without suns, covered up with darkness. To these after death go the ignorant, ignorant, slayers of the self. The self is one. Unmoving, it moves swifter than thought. The senses do not overtake it, for always it moves not. From the ignorant, it is far distant, yet it is near. It is within all, and it is without all. He who sees all beings in the self, and the self in all beings, hates none and goes before. Remaining still, it outstrips all that run. Without the self, there is no life. Thank you, Willie. <clears throat> so we're now in the third Sunday of Lent. Um, the first week of Lent, when those of you that you were here, we had um, the rich. We had a ritual, the ashing ritual of dying to who we thought we were dying to what others thought we were, and just starting again in a sense uh, of who we were. We, what we identify within the past and the future, and coming to that still point where we're empty to receive who we are from God. That was that first week. And then last week, we looked at the, the nature of love. If we are that still point, being the, the very nature God, and therefore open to being given wholly over to God. And given that God is love, if we give ourselves wholly over to that, then we can express love. And the idea of expressing that self-giving love, which is the character and nature of God. So if we let go of who we think we are and who others think we are, then how do we formulate exactly who we are? You know, what gives us our identity? And that's really what we're going to look at today, what gives us our identity. And I want to really ask the question, who am I? You know, it's an easy answer. I can say, like, you know, I'm Nicholas or I'm David. And and when we ask that, we get a sense that, you know, David is who David is and Nicholas who Nicholas. But that's just really our personality. 
And I said this before, but it's interesting where that word comes from, personality. It's from the Greek word persona. And the persona was the mask that the Greek actors put on in ancient Greek plays. It was a mask they put on in order to demonstrate what, what they were expressing. It was literally um, known, persona is translated as that which is spoken through. So your persona, your personality is really just a mask that you've developed over a long period of time. And we sort of identify with those masks and we think, well, that's who we are. But we're not. It's just what we put on over the 20 or so years that we've all been, or 30 or so years looking around that we've all been around. That's what we've developed. You know, because the truth is that, you know, although our mind has developed those personalities, you know, the news is that we are not our minds. You know, we're not our minds. Nor, hopefully, are we the mess that we are. I mean, if you look at your life, I don't know if you look at mine, you know, I, I, you know, put myself together for Sunday as well, but <laughs> if you go into number 113904 Brush Creek Road, as Jeremy has, I know, it's a mess. And I am that mess, you know. And sometimes, you know, I do identify with the mess that I think I am. And, and I come, you know, slightly embarrassed. You know, if I do if you identify with the mess that who you are, you naturally have to put on a personality to hide the mess. You know, and you are not the mess that you think you are. You know, there's no point in trying to identify with that as being who you are. And then, you know, from there, you go back through all the ramifications of, as to what you could be. <clears throat> There's a poem. Am I the man who cares when I see the fallen by the wayside? Or am I the father who shouts at his children? Is it the law that gives me my nature as I negotiate my way through life? Or have I some constitution that inanely and innately tells me who I am? When the rock falls, on whom does it make the imprint? On the warm pudginess of yielding flesh? Or the harsh microcarbons that have survived the Big Bang? When all is said and done... What am I done as? As the gateway to infinite love or worm fodder for future generations? This is my question. Do not unknow me or let me be unknown to myself. For I am told that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And yet to some I am adult. To others, I am lucky. Even more, see me as nothing than just one of the crowd. Yet to me, I am what? How do I reckon myself? With gods or with men? With honor or among thieves? Please tell me who I am. We struggle with our identity. And it really is, a, it's a current theme. You know, am I male 
or am I female? Am I rich or am I poor? Am I healthy or am I well? Am I black or am I white? All these actually are relative terms. But I think when we speak of identity, it's less than helpful to be relative. When we look at our identity, it's not helpful to be relative because relativeness comes from looking at others and looking and comparing. When it comes to the essence of who we are, there is nothing to compare it to. When we come to the essence of who we are, there is nothing to compare it to. Think about it. In your experience, there is just you. Now, I know that sounds odd, but really, when you think about it, here I am, me, right? And in my experience, there is only me in the world. You lot are just out there. You wander about. You could be a figment of my imagination. Bill could be a total figment of my imagination. I don't know if he's, I mean, I know, you know, he is out there. But, but really, in my own experience, there is only me. And there's all, you know, Bill is like a pillar of wood. You know, I mean, he speaks and he talks and he thinks, but he could be a chair. As far as I'm concerned, in my experience, I can have a relationship with a chair and with Bill. There is only Didi out there. And, and for us, we're just bits in Didi's world. You know, there is really only you in your life. You see others out there seeming to do the same sort of things as you're doing. But in reality, they are actually out there. All of us are out there to you. There's just you that experiences and is conscious and lives in the world. There's me and then there's all the stuff out there. And it's as simple as that. So it is ridiculous to compare. In our experience, you are not comparing like with like, you know. In your own experience, you're not comparing like with like. You've got this huge experience here and the bits out there. You can't compare when you look at the nature of entity. And to identify with out there is really to try and console yourself that you're not alone. You're just trying to console yourself that you're not alone when, in fact, you are alone. And that's your experience of life. You were alone when you came into the world. And, you you know, I always say this, it's, it's going to end badly for all of us. <laughs> you're going to die alone. I, I don't know if that's news, but you are. And, and actually, you're living alone. You know, Tom and Donna are living alone together. And you do, you live, you know, you know this when you're married. (laughs) You live alone together. In reality, there's just you. And then there's all the out-there-ness of it all. And unless you get all spiritual and say, oh, we're all connected. And therefore, we're not alone. And that probably, you know, that's probably not your experience. And if it is, you should be up here giving this talk. Because in the day-to-day life, it's not my experience. You know, we don't experience that interconnectedness of all things that we all talk about. You know, on the base, you know, the more current experience is the experience of aloneness. To try and base our identity by comparing it with something out there is pretty insane. In the true meaning of the word insane. In, meaning not, and sanus, meaning healthy. Insane not 
healthy. That's where the root of the word insane comes from. It's not healthy to start to identify without there. It's a partial view. To identify as male or female is only half the picture. To identify as black or white is ignoring everything in between. To identify with our country. Well, that not only leaves out the rest of the world, but it also is the main cause of all wars, by the way. So where the question is, given all that stuff, where do we get our identity from? And I'll be talking about that next week. Okay. <laughs> no, I won't. Uh, where do we get our identity from? Well, it has to be something within ourselves. It has to be something deep within ourselves. We can't just draw a line from here to out there and say, I identify with myself as being part of Aspen Chapel. You know, that, that's a wrong identification. We can't do that. I have to go within my experience to find out who I am. I have to go within, like the sign above the, the, the oracle at Delphi. The sign above the oracle at Delphi said, Nothi Sutton. Know thyself. Know thyself. By the way, there, there were two signs at the Oracle at Delphi. And it's interesting that the other one was Medan Agan. Anyone know what that means? Nothing in excess. I think that's good advice, really, isn't it? Nothing in excess. But that's another message. <laughs> know thyself. That is the key to the nature of identity. And we probably know this, but the trouble is we, we tend to forget it or be persuaded out of it. You know, you're not that sort of person. We're persuaded out of our experience of who we are. And, you know, if we look within the tradition, it tells us where, who our identity is. You know, Jesus has asked the question, you know, where is the kingdom of heaven? And he doesn't come up with a load of guff about birds of the air and, and seas and things like that. He's very straight. He says, the kingdom of heaven is within you. He, he says the kingdom of heaven is within you. And that's a key message, really, which, which tends to get missed out in a lot of churches. He want you to believe in there's, you know, something to go to in, after you're dead. But he says the kingdom of heaven is within you. It's an amazing people of information. It doesn't point to the sky. It doesn't go to parables. It says it's within you. And to my mind, you know, that chimes exactly with what we're talking about. The concept of an inner reality with a supreme being that's available to us through our consciousness, that that is at the seat of our consciousness. And he goes further. He says, on that day, you will realize that I am in the Father and you are in me and I am in you. He's really describing the nature of the reality. If I look at David, I am in the Father. I have experience of myself in that kingdom of heaven. You are in me. You're a bit out there in me. And I experience, you experience me as a bit in you. I am in the Father. You are in me. And I am in you. He's describing the nature of reality as, as to how it fits together, that nature of reality. You are in everything and everything is in you from the Upanishads. It's similar to that. And if you look at how Jesus explains it, he's saying that I, Jesus, exist within 
a greater consciousness, something within me. And you exist within my reality and I exist within your reality. In other words, we share something in common. And this conceptualization goes, you know, right back into the nature of the Judeo-Christian idea. You know, when God made man in Exodus, in, in, in Genesis, he made him in his own likeness, which means of his own kind, which means of his own family. I was talking to my Heather the other day, and she was saying to me, it's a bit like, you know, our, our child's called Samuel, one of our children. And, you know, Samuel came from Heather. And there's a bit of Samuel that is, that is from Heather, but she is separate from, he is separate from Heather. But there is something of Heather in Samuel, and me as well, in Samuel. They are, he is separate, but there is something of the, his parents there. And it's saying with the creation of God creating life. You know, we have that aspect of God within us, that life. That's what keeps us alive. And it's deep within us. It's within that nature. When in, in Exodus, when Moses is asked, you know, he asks God, who are you? What's your name? And he says, he doesn't say I'm the God of wrath or anything. He says, I am who I am. Tell them that I am sent you. And he points Moses to the nature of his identity, the I amness who Moses is. And in the New Testament, you know, I am the bread of life. I am the, the true vine. I am the way, the truth, and the light. You know, everyone always preaches about the way, the truth, and the life, and the true vine, and the bread. But the important thing is the I amness, the sense of that fun, that who we are is that fundamental identity. The I am denotes our essence. I am man, I am father, I am postman, etc. The ultimate I am is that divineness within us that we have spoken of, the supreme being that we can access through our consciousness. God is saying to Moses, tell them that you come in my name, the name of that supreme being that exists within you. We're being pointed to that beingness, and that's, you can see that right the way through the Bible. You know, the burning bush, there's the light there, sense of it. You know, Paul on the road to Damascus, he sees, he experiences that. The enlightenment experiences people have are an experience of fundamental consciousness. I am who I am. I am the bread of life. Be still and know that I am, which is God. Be still and know that I am which is God. So our true identity, when, we, when you get through all the guff, our true identity is our identity living within us at the center of ourselves. Not any aspect of our mind or the associations our mind may make out there. And the amazing thing about this is that it is within us and it seats us into that place of our identity. Through our very nature of who we are, there revives there resides an incredible source within us, an ocean of wisdom and love. That definition of spirituality from Rowan Williams is the cultivation of a sensitive, spirituality is the cultivation of a sensitive and rewarding relationship with eternal truth and love. And that's the cultivation of something within ourselves, that eternal truth and love lies within ourselves. And if we identify with that rather than all the other stuff, then we become saneness, we become sane, we become healthy by that identification. And it's pointed in all the religions, which is why I've got that 
that reading from the Hanishads. In the heart of all things, and Camilla, you are part of all things. In the heart of all things, of whatever there is in the universe, dwells the Lord. He alone is the reality. It really is something to get. I mean, this is the key thing in all religion. What we're saying today is the key thing in all religions. It's actually the root of all the secrets that all religions are supposed to have. He alone is reality. He who sees all beings in the self and the self in all beings hates none and goes before. Remaining still, it outstrips all that run. Without the self, there is no life. Without the self in Don, there is no life in Don. And the Tao Te Ching says, approach it and there is no beginning. Follow it and there is no end. You can't know it, but you can be it at ease in your life. And this is the key line. Just realize where you come from. That is the essence of wisdom. To realize where you come from. That is the essence of wisdom. Be still and know that I am, which is God. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know. Be still. Be. It's a good mantra for meditation if you're looking for one. And it'll take you to the right place within yourself, the nature of your true identity. Let's pray. Just center ourselves in our identity. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know. Be still. Be. Well, we ask you to open our hearts that we may know who we truly are, to come from that place of love, to know that that is the essence of who we are, not the muddle and the mess, not who we compare ourselves with, not our country, our gender, our colour, none of that. The essence of who we are is in that essential love that gives us life. We pray for those in our community that we know are not well at the moment, and particularly Bob and Connie Fisher, for Lolly Schweitzer, who's struggling with cancer, Shelley Franklin, Virginia Newton's mother, Lucy Crichton, for Tessa Guylander, who's got stomach problems, and for Patricia Hill. And for the family of T.J. Kress. We ask you send your healing power and love to all these people. And people that we remember in our hearts that perhaps not everybody knows. People that we know are struggling. We just name them in our hearts, in our minds. Name them to God.
pray for our town, the valley, all those on slopes up and down the valley, those working lifts and teaching, ski patrol, all those out today, just pray for safety, pray for visitors to our town, visitors to the valley. Pray you keep us safe. Pray for our country and pray for the election. Pray for a hand in whatever happens over the next months. Pray for the hearts of leaders. You will inform them that they will know who they are, where their identity comes from. And pray for those grieving, in trouble, in prison, hungry, cold, less fortunate than ourselves. Ask your blessing upon them in Jesus' name. Amen.